Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Oh, you know, this time of year is all electric. It's always exciting and energizing and sometimes exhausting depending on the day or the time of the day. Um, But I I really revel in this time of year as we wrap up a school year. And um, it's just fun to reflect with educators and speak to students about all their progress and just be able to have those meaningful coaching conversations at the end of the year. And I think um, I've tried a new strategy for myself. I tend to constantly, like many educators and um, women and moms um, that share similar roles as me, of we push on to the next thing and we don't always revel in what we've actually accomplished. And so as opposed to making a to-do list for the week, which it's still there, it's hidden somewhere, <laughs> hopefully not as present, but I've tried to switch the sticky note on my computer from the to-do list. Um, that is always running in my mind and that can sit on my desk instead and be less ever present to a got done list. And so having a sticky note of the things I've accomplished and um, those things can be big, sometimes smaller, but anything that I want to celebrate the win on so that at the end of the day or the end of the week, I can just look at that and realize how much really got accomplished because you always are moving on to that next thing, right? So you must have like a stack of done sticky notes come on. Not I mean, I do, I do like to collect them. I do revel in the glory of crossing things off. I am that person who will like write it on there even after I finish it so I can cross it off just so I have that moment of glory. But yes, I, I hold on to that stack and it just, it's just a good reminder of, yes, there's all the to-dos that are still to come, but like, let's focus on what we have accomplished. And in that same vein, it's been fun to teach my girls to, um, try to intentionally set goals as well. We are always on summer adventures and our time might be pressed this summer as they had some big activities they want to do. So we're making our fun summer to-do list. So instead of the the honeydew projects and the house projects, which that that all gets written down somewhere, right? Um, But having our list, our adventure books. So we started a summer adventure book last year and everything we wanted to do, we planned and put in there. And then we checked them off as we went and we found adventure buddies along the way um, from grandparents to good friends to godparents to be able to to jump on adventures with us. So it's been fun to just be at the very start of those planning conversations with my own kids and celebrating what we're going to try to accomplish um, in fun together this summer. (laughs) So building some healthy habits at a young age. That's great. Absolutely. And, And my daughter is like a lister as well. I laughed. I was in her room the other day and I saw the day. Get up, get dressed, brush teeth. It's like everything. So she must have inherited my checkbox tendency as well. So hopefully, you know, this will be in her deep structure. (laughs) One of them was going to get it. (laughs) And I know which one did not. (laughs) You can name. We'll leave leave that out there for the audience to figure out. But you definitely can pinpoint which is which. Um, But as you're in this energizing time, Courtney, what's going on in your world and what's, what's exciting at this moment? I just feel like the year has flown by from January to now. Um, I feel like I blinked and it's coming to an end. Uh, it's a bittersweet time of year, I feel like, because there's so much going on, but you want to be in those moments and celebrate the amazing things that have happened with teachers. But it's like, I have to be on to the next thing. Um, 
but it is a fun time of year. I'm just looking forward to summer, getting to see some friends. Um, and Pickles is excited to have me home once again. <laughs> oh, the readjustment period, right? Mom's back at home. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I bet he, she is just going to be so excited for those walks more often and just being in the garden with you and all of the things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Today, we're so lucky to have Nita Creekmore join us. Nita is an instructional coach who lives just outside Atlantic, Georgia. In the 19 years she's been in education, she truly believes that in all aspects of the field, relationships must always come first. She has obtained a bachelor's in English, master's in elementary education, and educational specialist in supervision and leadership. She currently works for Bright Morning Consulting as a presenter. Nita is also an instructional coach consultant through her business, Teach Love Black. Nita is married to Michael Creekmore Jr. and has four children. In her free time, she loves spending time with her family and friends, attending her kids' activities, practicing yoga, and relaxing with a good book. Nita, we are so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us and being willing to share with our listeners. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we have been seeking you for a while and trying to get you on, on the podcast and life in COVID has gotten in our way, but we shall persevere and share all of the insights of Nita today. So if you will start by just telling us a little bit about your background in education, in coaching, and just catch us up on how you got where you are now. Okay. Um, it's probably not like the traditional sense, but I went to school for elementary education. I tell people all the time, like this part is like, probably a little bit like everyone hears this I started wanting to be a teacher like at 13 like I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher my mom was a teacher I had, my aunts were teachers like it was just in my family um it's, I was a teacher for 13 years went to the University of South Carolina um got my master's and then taught and so I just did that I thought I wanted to be um a vice principal so I thought I wanted to be in like an admin and so I got my leadership degree from UVA and then I um dabbled a little bit in that like shadowing doing all the things being the assistant to the assistant principal and all those things and then i moved to georgia and like got tapped into like instructional coaching i had a coach because i was like a newbie from virginia that's where i'm from um in georgia learning the standards and they're like okay here's your coach i was like she is amazing what you're doing is amazing um and i want to do this too like i was like this is so awesome so I got to experience coaching, which is awesome. Um, and then I like coaching kind of fell into my lap. I thought I wanted to be a VP. And then like this instructional coaching job came up. My principal at the time was like, I want you to try out for this job. And so I did. I interviewed for the job. There it was like high stakes. There were so many people there. Got the job. And then I was like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> And so I did lots of self-learning um, because like I started being a coach, I guess now it's like six or seven years ago. There wasn't like a whole bunch out at that time. Um, I tapped into like other coaches who also were coaches. I tapped into definitely Elena Aguilar's work, um, Nicole Turner, and then Christy Belton. And so like I tapped into some folks that I like saw on Instagram and like was like, okay. Um, and then I became like, I became a coach and I love what I do. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of like my journey here. I played school and doctor's office. It was always <laughs> between the two in my basement for years, but I never had a principal in my school and I never had a coach. And I thought like, <laughs> oh, I'll just be a teacher forever. And it's funny <laughs> when you get into education, you learn about like all these other great roles and how to support students. Therefore, you know, supporting teachers and pushing them forward. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's so awesome. Like I, I love what I do. Yeah. It's, I always say I have the best job being a coach. What does coaching mean to you? Oh, so much. So um, the one thing I love about coaching and what it means is that it's really like embedded professional development, like right then, right now, you're learning on the spot. Um, and so I love that about coaching. I think that coaching is also like the words that come up for me are like supportive and in like when you're in community with the person, but also like I'm a learner as a coach alongside that person too. And so I think that's what makes it so transformational in when you're thinking about coaching is that like, I don't have all the answers, but together we will, you know, do this in community and in collaboration and um, really get what we need for the students to like get what they need every day. And so in order to do that, you have to tap into the educator in the classroom and making sure that they're thriving and making sure that they have what they need um, in order to tap into our students. So that's what I would say for that is that like, it's just job embedded professional development that's transformational. That embedded PD is such a powerful idea. And I love that learning with and from you that we're going to walk side by side in this and we're able to guide each other and be able to both take takeaways because every good coach I know is constantly learning with every one of their educators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We know that you have such a specialty in reflective practices for educators, Mm -hmm. and we wanted to see if you can define what reflection means in the context of instructional coaching, as well as why it's so important. And we wanted to steal just a little nugget from you of if you can also share one of your most impactful questions you use in those reflective conversations. Mm, That's a great question. I would always say that reflection starts with self. Um, And I would love to say like, okay, yes, this is like, and I'm going to say some questions in just a second, but like the coach has to start with themselves and the reflection process. Like, what can I do? How can I really build a relationship where a teacher feels comfortable enough and safe enough to be vulnerable enough in order to reflect with you and alongside you? Um, and so that is what I would say is like start with self as a coach and start with like the things that you're asking your coaches to do, like you must also be doing every single day. Um, and so I think once your coaches realize, oh, wow, they're, she's also learning or they're also learning or he's also learning in their reflective process, too, I think they become a little bit more trusting and a little bit more vulnerable um, and authentic, like authentic in their reflection um, and in what they need. And so I would say first start with self um, in your reflection process. And doing that um, for yourself, I would say I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of reflection. I do a lot of looking at my notes um, in order to reflect on myself. But then also when you're, I would say the biggest tool, I think that's the question you asked, the biggest tool like I would use is like a conversation, like an actual coaching conversation. Um, One, to like build that relationship, build that foundation where the coachee, the teacher in front of you, even leader in front of you feels comfortable enough and safe enough to open up the reflection door. Like, I think that a lot of educators do the reflection internally, but I think when they have a coach alongside them, we can kind of push that reflection by asking some questions like, 
what emotions are coming up for you? Or what did you feel like in the observation? Like, I know that teachers want us to give this, give them the answers, but a lot of times the answers are within them. And so like, it's like, you know, especially like in a trusting environment, it's like, I, I really didn't think I did well on this part of the lesson. And this is why, or I feel like I don't have enough skill here. And this is why, and it takes a lot of vulnerability and trust and relationship for a teacher to be able, an educator to be able to feel safe enough to be able to say, I lack skill here. So I think that's, um, that would be the question, like, would be like, what did you see? Like flip that question. Like, you know, what did you notice about your lesson? What did you feel? How, what emotions are coming up for you um, when you're talking about this student or the flip side of it? Like what constitutes joy for you when you're teaching? What do you, you know, see that's joyful? What do you, where, where do you feel joy in your day? Like those are questions that elicit like deep reflection. Say I love how those questions go deep into the deep structure and bring out the emotion and the educator to really get them to connect um, to what's really they're feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like one of those things that's like, there are, I feel like there are different phases of reflection. And there's like, you know, like there's like the first reflection, which is like more surface level. And then it kind of gets deeper and deeper and deeper. One thing that I learned um, in my work with Elena Aguilar is like the five whys. Like she'll like, you know, be like, yeah, why? And then you're asking, yeah, why? And you just get deeper and deeper and deeper into the reflection. You're like, the first one was so surface level. And then by the time you get to like the, the I guess, underneath the iceberg is like where it really falls. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up the idea of that if we're asking an educator to do something as coaching, then we should be doing the same. And the power of that meta coaching between coaches and how that can really help us to elevate Mm -hmm. our game and also be able to relate to our educators in where we're learning and growing and trying to stretch our edges too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I feel like that's where educators in general, whether that be a coach or a classroom teacher, you get the most movement through your reflection, but that's often mm-hmm. the first thing to go out the window. Like I'm so busy. I don't have time to sit and reflect. So do you have any advice on how we can support educators if they aren't working directly with a coach or they're done with the coaching cycle of how to continue that practice of reflection? Um, yeah. One way is like doing it within your team, like doing it in community with others. Um, and so like, let's say, let's say you don't have a coach. Let's say your coach is like, has like their capacity is full too. Well, the reflection doesn't have to end there, right? So some of the questions that may have been asked to you previously, dig into those questions some more, right? Like, so let's say you're doing the five whys, do that for yourself, right? Like, so like, like continue, I continuously ask myself these same questions in order to elicit reflection and do that continuous learning for myself and, and reflecting on whether it's how I'm showing up in front of my classroom, like how am I showing up to my students, whether it's like as a coach, how am I showing up to the my coaches? Um, like how when I say showing up, I mean, my how do I come off right towards them? Um, and so those are questions that continuously are threaded throughout my daily walk. And so like as a coach, as an educator, those are questions that should be continuously threaded throughout your daily walk. Um, And then like, I would say this too, in your reflection, offering yourself grace and like self-compassion, because a lot of times people think reflection is like, 
these are always things that have to like change and shift. And yes, there are probably things and we all are changing and shifting, right? We're all like trying to get better. And your reflection can be like celebratory. Like your reflection can be like, you know, something I did well, something I really rocked or something I did as a coach that I feel like really good about or something I did as an educator or teacher in my classroom I feel really good about. So I don't want to like make it seem like all reflection is just about like transforming or or editing or changing or although there's a lot of that to get better at what we do but then there's also like the moments of like joy and the things that you did well um in that reflection as well too it's such a transformative power to celebrate and be grateful for the wins that we do have every day and as courtney illuminated earlier that moving on to the next we're so busy we constantly are pushing forward so stopping and giving ourselves grace i love that you bring that to the forefront and that it's not always a self critique that it can be a celebration instead um yeah yeah even i've seen before with coaching cycles just starting every time with what are three things that we are proud of in our cycle mm-hmm. and moving from there. And then it's funny how that reflective practice always brings some sort of transformation, but starting right. with that happy space builds that rapport so deeply. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Along that line, will you describe maybe a specific instance when a teacher's reflection led to the significant breakthrough in their teaching or their learning? And what little nuances did you use to facilitate this process that you may not have already unearthed for us? Okay. So for me, what comes up for me is a specific teacher. Um, she listens to this. She's going to be like, you're talking about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but initially, I don't think she she held the belief that um, writing conferences was something that was like that she would have time for, like she had capacity for in order to like strengthen her students writing. And so, um, again, I went in with like non-judgment. Like I was like, OK, um, like what do you, where do you think that comes from? Um, where do you think that you can shift in places in your schedule where you, or do you like have this gap of like skill in order to do them well in a short amount of time in order to like be able to, I guess, have capacity to meet with all your students in this way. And so through like co-planning, through co-teaching, through me modeling was when I was able to kind of like shift that belief through us working together and being me being support for her and her building that skill. Right. And so that was something that was completely transformative. Right. We reflected from the beginning, we reflected in the middle and then at the end as well. And then at the end, she was like, Oh my goodness. Like by taking, by slowing down and like, meeting with each student and giving them a touch point and having these writing conferences has expanded my kids writing so much more than me just talking at them and telling them this is what I want you to do. Right. And so um, that was like one way that I felt like, Oh my God, like not only did she shift in her behaviors, but she shifted her belief, like her belief system in the idea of like slowing down in order to create impact. And so that was like, me seeing the transformation, but also me trusting the process. Because initially I was like, oh my goodness, like you don't even believe this. Like, you know, and I tried to like, so I had to tell myself, need to go in with no judgment. Like that's no judgment. It's like a new skill all that we're learning. So let's not have judgment here. And so when I did that, so I released the judgment and I went in and just allowed for just an, one, a connection, two, building the relationship. And then three, um, 
like allowing that person to just reflect authentically, I was able to see, okay, awesome. You're telling me you have a skill gap here. Like there's something that you need help with. And I don't mind doing that. And that's co-planning and me modeling. And then me watching you and observing and us going through this cycle together. And then at the end, like seeing the transformation and like even your belief, like the belief of, of like slowing down and meeting with kids um, and having writing conferences there. That was like huge. Yeah, that's the perfect example of people having the capacity and that all the answers are really in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, so often teachers efficacy is low, so they don't feel that they can make what they want happen. And then just by having the support of coaching and the time to step back and reflect through that coaching cycle, they're suddenly able to make that jump and that shift in their practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thinking about we're getting close to the end of the school year here um, at mm-hmm. the beginning of May, do you have some great reflective questions that you use as a coach um, to either help yourself or help the educators you work with kind of reflect on the year as a whole? Yeah. So one thing is, is like doing closeout conversations with coaches and like allowing them to have the space to reflect on like the big wins for the year, maybe even like, what is your goal? Like something that you want to tap into or an inquiry question for the following year there. And so I think it's so important, especially if you're a coach to have those closeout conversations with your coaches that you're coaching um, to kind of like tie up the year to think through the areas in which they were, felt like they were winning the areas in which they wanted to grow more in maybe threading into the next year, but also doing that for yourself. So like, yeah. So having a coaching conversation with yourself on paper, or even if you decide to do it, if you don't want to write it, if you want to say it into your voice memo or whatever to reflect, I would, I actually think this is something to do each month, something good to do each month. Um, but like at the end of the year, definitely to think through, okay, like what were my wins as a coach? Like something that I feel like, yes, like, I feel like I lived into what I value. I lived into what I believe coaching is. Um, and then thinking about areas of like inquiry or areas of growth for myself, um, and what that can look and sound like, um, for the following year in order to, be even more transformational as a coach as well. I'm hearing that deep power of the reflecting into planning. And it's so natural that as you start mm-hmm. that reflection, especially as forward, forward-facing forward educators, we're almost always going to that planning the next stage. So it's powerful to be able to bridge those two in order to goal set and to reflect. That's amazing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have shared a wealth of information with us. And I feel like there's all these little tips and tidbits people are writing down in their notebook right now as they're reflecting (laughs) on this podcast episode. But we want to just squeeze a tiny bit more out from you if you're all right with that. And we're going to shift to our rapid fire questions. The first one is we want you to have your moment to shine. So tell us where can we learn from and with you? Where can we follow you? What do you have coming down the pike that we can learn even more? I am. So I'm on Instagram as Love Teach Bless. Really, if you like Google Love Teach Bless on like most social media platforms, I'm on there. So Love Teach Bless. Again, my name is Nita. I just started this new social media called Lemon 8, which I'm kind of playing around with, which is like Pinterest kind of IG, beginning IG, like when it first came out. So it's called Lemon 8. It's kind of cool. So I've been kind of playing around with that. 
Um, and then me and my husband have a book coming out with ASCD, um, which is centered all around relationships. And so hopefully it's out in the fall. We're hoping, um, writing a book is definitely a labor of love. We've enjoyed writing it, but it's definitely a labor of love. Um, and so, yeah, so that's coming out with ASCD all around relationships in schools. Um, I would love to give you a title, but we haven't honed down on the title yet. Um, (laughs) that's just life and writing books. Um, so yeah, those, that's kind of like what's coming down the pipe for my, for me um, and my husband. We're also on Creekmore Convos. So that's something that we do together all about talking all about relationships and he's a school counselor. Oh, fantastic. I wait, can't wait to hear more. It's a labor of love with your love. I mean, how amazing with is my that? love? Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. I love your play on words there. I love that. <laughs> I have a problem with alliteration. It's, it's a thing on C3. <laughs> Um, oh man. Well, Nita, tell us what's your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Oh, that's a good one. Well, I always say for love, teach, bless, like inspired educators, inspire educators. That's what I, it's just like my tagline for love, teach, bless. And I guess I would say that for coaching. Um, cause I always say that like the most I say the best and I put air quotes around it, but the best coaches are the most impactful coaches are the ones that inspire, like who can, who can allow someone to see, um, see what they can't see. Right. Sometimes in the midst of everything that's going on in education. Um, and so that would be it. Inspired educators, inspire educators. How succinct. I love it. And <laughs> last, tell us what's your secret coaching superpower or a go-to move we hadn't heard yet. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, a go-to move that you haven't heard yet would be when you think that you are having a teacher that you can't reach, always go back to yourself. So like always go back to, and I'm not saying it's your fault, but what I'm saying is like, how am I showing up? Um, what, what can I do different, but also bringing it back to like, how did I start off that relationship? And so, and I always think about this because there's, you know, like as teachers, as educators, as coaches, there's always like one teacher or one student that we're like, oh, I wish I would have done this. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like, if I would have, if I could go back like five years or three years, I would have done it differently. And so knowing that you can always restore um, and, and really figuring out what it takes to restore that relationship if it's needed. I love it. It all comes back to that, having a hard conversation with yourself in that self-reflective moment of mm-hmm. how did I approach that? Is there a way I could tweak it? What can I do to go back and try again? Yeah. And knowing that you can always, you can always try again, that this restoration can happen. Absolutely. And teachers know we all make mistakes. So as coaches, we'll make mistakes. And what a beautiful way to send friends out to summer and to just wrap up this year of your challenge in the next month is to do some of this self-reflection as an instructional coach and make sure that you're getting in with educators to do it too. So what a beautiful end of the season. We appreciate you in so many ways. Thank you. I enjoy talking with y'all. Y'all are awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. And I know everybody's scribbling their notes and that they're ready to make their own assignment. I'm I'm sure it's on to-do lists on computer sticky notes everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.
Nita gave us some great ways to incorporate reflection into our practice. How might you find time and space to work on self-reflection? Thanks for listening to another episode of C3. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3 Coaches and now on Instagram. See you next season. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?